and welcome to episode number 127 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down all the big bets, all the big happenings, all the big news in this crazy gambling industry of ours. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google's where you can find us on the Twitter machine at the Lions US, at PlayPix US. If you want to follow me and Brett at Brett Colson, at Matt Brown M2. We will talk a little bit of Shriners Open. There's actually a pretty decent field in this one, some good weather in Las Vegas, so it should make for some pretty interesting scores and uh, some fun rounds that are going on there. We will talk all the NFL news of the week and the scoring explosions that is going on in the NFL. We'll also hit on that Thursday night game between the Bucks and the Bears. But Brett, let's kick things off here. With the NBA Finals, the Lakers go ahead and go up three to one. We will have a game. We will have a a game five on Friday, and with that, they will be looking to close things out and go ahead and take this series down. When we take a look at those odds over on DraftKings, it is minus ten thousand. If you would like to bet the Lakers on the series price right now, if you want to take the Heat plus 2200 so 22 to 1 on the heat to come da- come back from this 3 to 1 deficit here and uh I wouldn't lay that for I I can't Im- it would have to be over 50 to 1 I think for me to lay that yeah I just with, with their with some key players out I mean is Dra- is Dragic going to play like I it- he's there's just no way dude this this thing that I read about this going on in his foot is like that is like a legitimate gigantic pain thing that like takes time to heal whatever like he went out there and apparently like the first time he tried to do any sort of lateral cut in warmups on uh on Tuesday night was like yeah I'm done can't I, 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 like it's not gonna not gonna work yeah. for me so I just don't see how Miami makes a series out of it it sucks to see because we you know we've seen this year after year key injuries having a major impact on the winner of the NBA season even a team like yeah. Miami that's that has so much depth and balance can't overcome the loss of obviously Dragic and you know Bam is hurt or hobbling and you're facing the the proven championship NBA top heavy build in the Lakers who are healthy so they're drawing yeah. that. Two and a half days for this line to mature or move or whatever. So if you want to get in early, it is sitting right now. Lakers minus seven. The total is at 216 and a half. So that is a big drop from where uh, game four started at. Game four started at 219 and a half and uh, ended up at 218 and a half. There was a lot of under bet. That was actually my bet on that game was the under. So I got home easily on that one. That felt good. The uh, Heat actually did cover in game four on a a three-pointer with 1.1 seconds left, a completely pointless, completely useless three-pointer, except for those people who bet on the heat and the heat actually do get that the cover. swung a lot of money. You know, something <laughs> happened when, you know, the game is over and all of a sudden your Twitter blows. I wasn't watching the game. I was watching baseball, but the other Twitter machine blows up. I'm like, Oh God, what happens? What did yeah. Tyler arrow do? Yeah. Uh, yeah that, 1.1 that seconds. Man. That's huge. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. This, this series is over. I thought this series was, was over. I actually picked the, the Lakers in six. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Lakers yeah. in five and, um, you know, LeBron's going to get another championship, likely get another MVP and uh, move on with, you know, his legacy is, again, is just, in my opinion, the greatest player to ever play. But that's an argument that we don't need to have here on the I'm podcast. But it's uh, no debate. You know, the guy just guy just does it all right. And he does it all at six foot nine and, you know, 265 pounds. It's pretty crazy. Major League Baseball playoffs is kind of tough for us to give you a full update on this because they are playing as we are recording this, as you guys know, with the way that they've done the bubble situation, they're playing throughout the day. So when we're recording this, there are actually games that are going on as we speak. We can give you at least a quick update as to how things are going out there as far as series prices and whatnot. Brad, I mean, we see right now if you want to bet the Houston Astros over the A's, you can. Uh, the Astros are actually a 10 to 1 favorite in that series over the A's. If you want the Yankees over the Rays, minus 134. The Rays are at plus 108. This is as we're recording this again. There's a game today between the Yankees and Rays. So that is going to shift for sure. And then on Friday, and then, uh, and then we have another. Game between the Padres and Dodgers. The Dodgers came in as a massive favorite in that series as it was anyway. And now if you want the Dodgers in that series, minus 670 if you want the Dodgers. So really it comes down to how we look at this from 
you know, how do we want to attack this moving forward? Have you bet, did you bet any of this series? Are you trying to play this more whenever we get pared down a little bit more? What What's your baseball strategy? I think here? I have enough invested in futures where I'm, I'm okay just sitting back mm-hmm. and seeing what happens. I still have some Padres equity, not very much left, but I have a little bit. Uh, I still, right. you know, after the Rays won game too, I still have quite a bit of Rays equity as well. So yeah, I didn't place any series bets here. Uh, and I, um, yeah, I'm probably just going to sit back. I love what the Rays are doing. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about where they are right now. Yeah, no, you have a lot of those. I actually took a, a, I took a fairly aggressive strategy on that one and it paid off. I sat out betting it before game one, not in hopes that they would lose game one, but thinking that going up against Garrett Cole and Brett's and Snell was just more of a toss up. So I waited let the Rays lose game one. And then I came in on them in the series price at plus 220. So I got a much, much, much more favorable number on the Rays in that series. And I still might lose it, but I feel good about that because past Cole, it is a monster, monster drop off for the Yankees from a pitching standpoint as to where the Rays can roll out three top notch starters. And we saw that, you know, they win game two and then they go with Morton in game yeah, three. And the Yankees, what they did with the, their pitching staff yesterday, I don't know what they were doing. They used up so many different guys yesterday that they could use as like long, either long relief or starters in games three or four. I, I don't understand what they were doing. Uh, they only went one inning with the the starter yesterday. I, th- I feel like he should have gone at least two or three. So I, yeah, that you've got to be feeling pretty good about that. Cause I think the Yankees did a number on their staff uh, in game two. I still like your raise position. Uh, That staff is just so incredibly good. And if they hit like they've been hitting, which like, wow, right? Where'd all this power come from, from the raise and uh, looking really, really good with that. So yeah, I am with you there. And they're the best reliever in baseball. The guy, Nick Anderson is a freaking stud. So I feel really good about that guy. Yeah, like like him a lot. I wouldn't I mean, I would not be surprised if this is Dodgers and Rays when it's all said and done. And then that will be interesting at that point, because now you have now you have what Mike, in my opinion, the two best teams in baseball that will be going head to head. And so we'll we'll certainly preview that one. That'll be super fun when we get going. Uh, Been a few weeks since we talked golf, Brett, but uh, there's a tournament that actually has a bunch of big name players playing at the Shriners Hospital Open down here. In Las Vegas, of course, no fans out there and all of that. However, um, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, Webb Simpson, Colin Morikawa, Cantlay, Matsuyama, Wolf, Scheffler, Harris English, Ricky Fowler, Paul Casey, Jason Day. So all these players, Ustase um, in his playing as well. Sergio Garcia coming off of a win this past week is playing. So lots of big names that are actually giving it a go out here in the desert. And, you know, look, it's a the course over there. I've actually played it a few different times. It is not going to play the same as when I played it because they are way, way better <laughs> than me. I would sit here and try to tell you that it's a hard course. They'll probably tell you that it's an easy course. But, um, yeah, so we come in to Shambo, the big-time favorite in this one, 8-1. to one. Uh, Webb Simpson down at 11, then a pretty big jump to everybody else. Morikawa, 18. Cantlay, 20. Masayama, 20. Wolf, 22. Scheffler, 28. Harris English, 30. And everybody else longer than that. I only have a couple of bets on this one, Brett. And I know you said you were going to dig in on this maybe a little mm-hmm. bit later tonight. Um, I kind of like some of these longer dudes, and I'm going to just see if, they can keep it anywhere in the fairway. And if so, then I think they'll have a, a, a decent little shot kind of a, a, a outside here of, of, of Bryson Shambo. Of course, he's a favorite eight to one and I get all that, but I'm actually going to take a flyer on Matt Wolf, uh, 22 to one, another one of the super long guys that has been in contention a lot. And uh, Joaquin Neiman as well. I know you and I were playing him a lot last year and he never really got through for us, but at 55 to one, another guy that's long, another guy that can get hot and kind of get on a birdie streak or something like that. So just going to play a couple of those um, longer shot guys for outrights in this tournament. And, Maybe a head to head here and there, but I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to get I'm too crazy. seeing Kevin uh, won last year. So that I'm already this is obviously not a distance course, right? Like if Kevin Na is right. winning, then it's probably going to be a lot of fairways and greens type. Style of play. So I'm, I'm a little surprised that you went wolf. What what? I you're, you're right. I have not taken a dive into this quite yet. So what mm-hmm. should I be looking for if I'm if I'm going to bet on this? 
Well, I, the reason I look at this, and again, I don't know how they're going to, I don't know how they're going to set it up. Obviously, like a schmuck like me, I go and play like on the women's tees or whatever. So like, I'm not, you know, I mean, I, I don't have any idea how it's going to play, but it, it is where I believe that you can attack it with these longer guys. And I think you can kind of do what, what Bryson was able to do, except it's not going to be near as penal for you is like, Hey, what, you know, if you miss a fairway, cool. You know, like, I mean, like as long as you are down there far enough, you'll still be able to play at these greens. And so that's kind of why I'm taking a shot on these couple of of guys right here. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know me, I love Morikawa's game more than anything in the world. Like the guy just, you know, I mean, he's 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 like the perfect player when he's playing correctly. Right. I mean, it's fairways. It's perfect iron play. It's short putts so that he doesn't have to make long bombs or anything like that. I mean, he's. I guess I could say that maybe at the end of the day, I could find myself getting on a Morikawa. The only problem, 18 to 1 with Morikawa, where in most of these tournaments, we're getting Morikawa at like 30 to 1 is the only, and I shouldn't, of course, of course, the field's deeper and there's there's more talent. But for me, it's stuck in the back of my head that like, man, every time I bet Morikawa this year, it's been like 33 to 1 or 35 to 1, 18 to 1 is like, I don't know if there's enough enough there for me, but there probably my should My boy be. Ryan Moore, also a winner at this course. Interesting. Is he playing this week? Oh, Ryan. Let, let's go way down the odds here because he would <laughs> Dude, be I love Ryan way, Moore so much. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I've lost so much money yeah, on this guy. He'd be way down the list he's here. A, he's a Vegas um, guy. I, yeah, I don't see That'd be surprising him actually. Yeah, which is Kevin very Kevin strange. Kevin twice here. Interesting. And Maybe you'll have to get you, get you on some Kevin Na then. Too. Get you on some Kevin Na. If you, guy, if you do want uh, whoever... Uh, whoever Spencer Levin is or Matt Wilson or Martin trainer or George Markham, you can get all those guys like 150 to one or better. So, I mean, you know, smiley's playing. Oh my God. Smiley Kaufman's in the field. 150 to one. If you could bet smiley Kaufman to be dead last, you should bet that actually, if you find any place for smiley Kaufman to be dead last, you sh- that's the yes. bet you should make. The guy finishes dead last in every tournament that he plays in. It's almost like his thing. former LSU tiger. I might add. <laughs> Yeah, former LSU Tiger, I might add. So I can I can talk bad about him because he's a former LSU Tiger. It's okay. I'm not. I don't feel bad about doing that. But I uh, should be a fun one again. A lot of lot of guys that are in the kind of top twenty, top twenty five, top thirty in the world that are playing in this one. So be sure and check that out this weekend if you can find the time. I know there's a bunch of sports going on, so we we completely understand that. Let's do some NFL news here, Brett. Of uh, Washington football team moving away from Dwayne Haskins to Kyle Allen. Um, this move, if you read some of the quotes coming out, just saying that, as you know, with Rivera being there, he was saying Kyle Allen knows his system better and knows that offense better. So it's time to kind of move on to Kyle Allen. I look at it this way. I think you and I both weren't necessarily thinking Dwayne Haskins was going to be terrible, terrible, but he has been terrible. And I'll put it, it it can't be worse moving to Kyle Allen at this point. I was actually, I was looking at PFF's QB replacement metric this morning. It's spread points above replacement. So like how, how they think the the spread should move if the quarterback is replaced. And yeah, you know, obviously there's some huge ones, Mahomes, Rogers, Wilson, Jackson, but they do have Kyle Allen as the exact same value to the spread as Haskins. So I, I tend to agree, and I, I think Kyle Allen might actually be better because he does know this system better. Um, so I'm not moving this really at all in my capping. I, I never never thought Haskins was good. They rushed him into action too early and unnecessarily last year, and that can do damage to a player's psyche. So, you know, I yeah. never thought Haskins would be good to begin with, but you know, th- this move could be irreparable to his mental state as a quarterback going forward. So, I, I you know, I feel bad for the guy, but I think this – might be the beginning of the end of Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Maybe he'll, you know, he could always be one of those kind of like lifelong backup yeah. guys or something like that. But uh, I don't see him really being a starter in the NFL. That line right now sits Rams favored seven and a half on the road at Washington. Bill O'Brien was removed of his duties as head coach and general manager of the Houston Texans. Uh, reports coming out this morning, right before we go on air, Brett, that he had he and JJ Watt had a big falling out, and that could have been a lot to do with everything. But let's be for real: what should have gotten this done was the horrible, horrible GM moves 
that he made. And, you know, look, he took on that responsibility. So I don't feel sorry for him when people are saying like, well, he's a football coach. He's not a GM. Well, you know, he took on the responsibility and he wanted to do that. And he made some of the worst moves that we've seen in recent memory in the NFL. And, you know, I don't think I would have picked him to be the first fired. I probably would have picked Adam Gase, yeah. but Adam Gase still has a job somehow. But uh, Bill O'Brien would have been really close to the top of the list of guys to get For sure, and I, I don't quite know what to make of this and how to adjust the Texans moving forward. This isn't the usual firing where a coach is coming off like multiple losing seasons in a row and never sniff the playoffs. The Texans are coming off two division titles in three years. They won a playoff game last year. They were dominating the Chiefs during the playoffs last year before they got mahomes there were positive things happening with this franchise, but yeah, it, you could see it all start to fall apart in the offseason with the Hopkins trade and now the own own four start. And a lot of their key draft assets have been traded away thanks to Bill O'Brien. So yeah, it was it was time to make a move. The question is, how does this team react? I saw the same report as you did about JJ Watt. If there's any, if there's any truth to that, I think the Texans should be a team to buy back on this week. Maybe some maybe I don't know if hope is the word, but just some camaraderie, get the, get the cancer out of the locker room and, and play football again. And uh, it does sound like there was a lot of tension with Bill O'Brien at the helm. Yeah. It does not, does not sound to us like that. Uh, he really had control of that locker room any longer and of that team any longer. So uh, We'll follow that. I mean, you know, yeah, they are six point favorites at home against the Jaguars who have come back down to earth and basically are the bad team that we thought that they were going to be to start the year. This Texas team did have a brutal schedule to start the season, but really just never shown any signs of life in any of those games, which is what was ultimately the end of Bill O'Brien. And, and you know, Brett, I was talking to you this a, a little bit about this off air where I was just saying, you know, I went back and watched some of these these games here and like trying to figure out what's going on with this Texas team. The biggest thing though, that jumps out to me. And of course, guys, we do our full preview on Friday. So be sure and uh, subscribe to the pod. So you get the full breakdown, but this offensive line is still a train wreck there. It has been a train wreck for three years. Now you still have Deshaun Watson running for his life all the time back there. And when you lose a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who at least understood what was going on and knew how to break off a route and knew how to go find space in a defense and knew how to improvise and all of that. And now you're trying to get Will Fuller to be that guy or Brandon Cooks to be that guy or Randall Cobb to be that guy who were lifelong twos and threes at every place that they've ever been. It's like square peg round hole situation there for the Texans. And so I don't know, man, like I, I like them this week to win at the Jags, but I'm like six points. I'm like, shit, I don't know, man. He's <laughs> like, like shit. I don't know. A lot yeah, of points. The wide receivers are a concern. We, you know, we, we talked about it before week one, like they have all this speed bringing in, like they, you know, they're still going to be fine, but man, that, that Vikings game, like you said, I mean, Russ was, or not Russ, uh, Deshaun was running all over the field and just, would run out of bounds because nobody apparently nobody was open. Yeah. How are these guys not guys not getting open? I mean, look, Will Fuller is not a receiver. That's a go guy. He's not a route runner. Yeah. So he he is what he is. But like Randall Cobb and and Stills and Cooks, these guys can't get open. That's a problem. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what to do with the Texans, and I feel like an idiot. Like I feel like we always talk about trying to get the best number on a team possible. Yeah. I feel like I got the worst number possible on the Texans last week. I like I was so heavy on the Texans before they got rid of Bill O'Brien. Like that's just like the yeah. worst possible number you can get, but we'll see. We'll see if they're a better team this week. Yeah, it was, uh, that was one of my losses last week as well in the contest. Unfortunately, uh, Sam Darnold injured Joe Flacco going to start for the jets. I don't think this changes my view of this Jets team at all. I assume it does not you either, but it's worth us listening, you know, giving this to our listeners out there as to what we think, whether this moves our thoughts on this team at all, how they go about looking at this Jets team. But frankly, man, no playmakers, defense is a sieve. Let a let a rookie come in there and just shred them. A guy, undrafted rookie, come in and just shred them. Uh, you know, look, I, and we don't even know what Joe Flacco has left in the tank, right? I mean, like this is a guy coming off of a major surgery as well. So, I mean, we don't even know if this guy can even play football anymore. They are seven-point home dogs against the Arizona Cardinals who have looked like crap the last two weeks as well. If that tells you anything what the market thinks of the Jets. 
Yeah, and I'm looking at PFF's uh, QB replacement. They actually have Flacco rated ahead of Darnold, so that's kind of... <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree <laughs> with that, but I mean, Flacco is probably not going to make the same level of errors that Darnold is going to make, so maybe they... Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I, this team is such a nightmare. It does not, to me, change my view no. on this team one bit, especially not knowing what Flacco is anymore, right? Like maybe give me a game and if he comes out there and he looks like at least a, a, a semblance of what he was five years ago, then, you know, maybe I do a tiny, tiny bit upgrade the Jets just a, a little bit. But uh, yeah, this will probably be the first game that I scratch off the list this week is is that with a full touchdown and the unknown mm-hmm. of Flacco and everything like that. Uh, the Monday Night Football game could be moved out of New Orleans due to the hurricane that is barreling in down there. The LSU game has already been moved. So LSU is uh, now uh, moving that game. They're going to go play up in Missouri as opposed to playing in Tiger Stadium. So now the Saints might have to move. They said they, this game might go to Indianapolis, Brett. So it wouldn't be a home game for the Chargers. It would just be at a neutral site situation. In a dome. Um, yeah, in a dome. Saints are eight-point favorites currently over the Chargers. Does not really change my thought all that much again because here we go with this home field, you know, quote-unquote home field advantage thing. Dude... When you've got just a few hundred fans in the stands, it's not doing anything. It's not it's not affecting the other team. They still hear the snap counts and they still hear all of the checks and they still hear all the changes and coverages and things like that. So to me, it doesn't change my thought of this game all that much, to be completely honest with you. So, uh, again, another one where I think this is a little bit of a nothing. burger. Yeah, I guess the only thing it would it just takes the Saints out of their routine a little bit because they do have to travel at least some distance, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't think this really changes a whole lot. Eight point home favorites are the saints and it would be eight points, probably pretty close to that. I mean, maybe this would tick down a point or something like that if they moved up to Indy. So if you think that that's going to be the case and you think that that's going to move the line, then hold out. I think if you want the chargers in this game, I'd go ahead and take it now because uh, it again, that they already moved the LSU game. So signs at least are pointing that they might be getting that Saints game out of town and uh, that line's going to go the the other way there. Big injuries to deal with Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Julio Jones. These are these are at various levels of concern for these teams, Brett. I mean, of those three, does any one stick out to you more than the other as far as, you know, what you feel like it could do to to the team? Chubb and Eckler are definitely out for several weeks. Julio Jones had to leave after missing the game last week, had to leave this game due to the, due to a hamstring injury. We know wide receivers with hamstrings that that can be just a lingering thing. Yeah, it's sad to see that this continues to happen to Julio. I think we've seen the last of like the elite, elite Julio Jones. He just can't stay healthy anymore. And his so it's hard to say, like, it does is his loss, for, you know, from what we've seen of him lately, is that worth more than, like, an Austin Eckler or Nick Chubb? I'm not really sure. Right. Eckler's, Eckler's huge to me because he's not just the running back in that offense. He He's the, one, of the, one of the lead pass catchers in that in offense as well, and he helps yeah. them deploy uh, the new Josh, you know, Joshua Kelly in that backfield as well. So... I think that's probably the biggest one of this group, which is weird to say because it is a running back versus Julio Jones, but I don't think Julio Jones is going to be the same player as he was, you know, just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Same with me. And like, okay, as good as Nick Chubb has been, that's the reason the Browns went and got Mm -hmm. Kareem Hunt, right? Like, I mean, like that's the reason they have uh, a true three down back in Kareem Hunt that can step in and, you know, carry the mail for, for this team. And I know Dearness, whatever Johnson got a bunch of carries or whatever, but I don't, I don't think that's going to play out uh, really much longer. I think that this is going to be Kareem Hunt's backfield. And I don't think that, you know, it's that big of a deal. I'm with you. I think it's Eckler, at least with Julio. You still have, you know, an emerging Russell Gage there. You still have Calvin Ridley. Um, so I, I, I think it's more Eckler as well. So, again, we talked about that Chargers game. If you do like the eight, I would go ahead and take the eight right now. More COVID positives on the Titans as well, Brett. Stefan Gilmore tested positive for the Patriots. Supposed, there's at least rumors that there's positive on the Raiders as well, and this is being reflected as we go over to DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, you can still bet on the Chiefs and Raiders game, but they have now pulled the total. They have now pulled the money line. You can only take the Chiefs at 13 (laughs) right now 
if you wanted to do that. And so they are a little bit skeptical that something might come down from this. And um, so, yeah, just more COVID tests here. And this could really, for the Titans, this could really start to screw things up for them because now they've already juggled the schedule once to try and make it work. It's not going to work again if another game yeah, has to be Yeah, what do they do with this? Because apparently I'm seeing reports that some of the Titans players broke protocol. And in that case, what what punishment do you hand them? I mean, do you do you make them forfeit one of these games? How do you do that? Do you give just do you give I, the Steelers a free win? Do you I give the, feel like that's the only move, though, right? Man, I just for the integrity of like the the league and the playoffs, you just hand the Steelers and the Bills wins. I just I that's that's hard for me to swallow, even as a Bills fan. Like I don't want to win that way. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's it's a really right. it's a really tough spot for the league. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and if you go and you take a look right now, that game off the board. So, um, you know, again, this is everybody anticipating that something is going to happen from this, you know, some way, shape, or form. So off the board there as well, uh, Stephon Gilmore for the Pats testing positive, also fairly interesting because that game went on on Monday night even after Cam Newton tested positive. So we have that in the fold as well. So things are getting dicey for the NFL and things are going to uh, start to really test how far they're going to take this and what plans they actually had in place. You have to think, Brett, when this happened, not if this happened. They had to have gone in and said, this is going to happen at some point. This is how we're going to handle this. But, uh, you know, we've heard nothing as of yet. No, we've been left kind of waiting to see what they're going to do. And now, look, if, if the Titans really did break protocol, they have to set a precedent. Like, you, the, you, teams can't get away with this. Otherwise, the, the entire season is going to unravel. So something has to happen here. Um, and that, man, that just, it makes me queasy because there's a chance this could this could all fall apart. So let's go to something we want to talk about before we hit up uh, the Thursday night football game here. Um, A tweet from Kevin Seifert over to ESPN. NFL games have averaged a combined 49.8 points in 2020, most through four weeks of the Super Bowl era. So that's 1966 and on. And he said related 13.4 flags per game down 28% from the same period of 2019, there was a follow-up tweet by ESPN's David Purdom who said the average total for week five, if you add all the games up, is 50.3 in that as well. So, Brett, we take a look at this and, you know, look, I think whenever he says related, I think you can almost draw a direct line. I mean, it is like 13.4 flags, which is down a 28% from last year. And we're talking about there being more points scored. There are fewer holdings getting called. Uh, and I think that that was a, a mandate coming down from the league. You know, at the beginning of the season, we heard that there was a talk, there was at least chatter of them saying that, Hey, look, if the holding is not completely blatantly obvious, don't call it because you could technically call holding on, on every single play, you know I mean? With, with these offensive linemen and stuff. And obviously that is playing out as you know 28 percent decline in flags and here we are nearly averaging 50 points a game through the first four weeks and of this the is really important because it's not just impacting totals overs have been smashing um but adjustments have to be made everywhere spreads money lines player props the nfl has obviously made it a point to change the way the game is played this year with fewer penalties more offense And that gives edges to the better quarterbacks and the more capable and creative play callers and play designers who can take advantage of these rules. The, you know, a higher point, the higher the point total is in a game, the higher the spread should be for favorites who can score points. That's just basic math. Like the more expected points, the higher the implied total, the more opportunity for these offenses and the bigger advantage they have to win the football game. And that's something I'm definitely going to be looking at going forward, which teams average more yards per play and have a higher success rate in high leverage situations. Like offense, offense matters now more than it ever has before. You just look at some of these teams right now in the top 10 of defense DVOA, Washington, the jets and the giants are all in the top 11. Those teams suck. 
And then you look at the you look at the yeah. top teams in you know, offense DVOA, and it's your undefeateds, your Rams. I mean, I, I, I've definitely learned a lot through the first four weeks about how the NFL is going to be played this year. I've really struggled with my capping so far, and I'm seeing why I did not take into effect like the massive changes that were going into play. And yeah, it's time to make some adjustments. The the thing that I think I'm also going to take from this as well is I'm going to be looking at more of these of these teams that are willing to take a bunch of shots downfield Mm -hmm. because with as much pass interference, that's the only thing that has not gone down, Brett, and that is pass interference calls. Pass interference, you cannot play defense as a cornerback anymore, hardly in this league. And they have done away. I'm sure you've noticed this as well. And we have not talked about this off uh, off air, but they have done away with the uncatchable rule. It does not matter. Like the ball can be frigging 11 feet downfield and eight feet over your head. And it does not matter. Like if you get touched, like it's a pass interference. They do not call uncatchable ever anymore in the league. And so there's just so many more pass interference calls to go along with the, there not being these holding calls that are getting called, which just like creates down the field over and over and over again, scoring points, kicking field goal. That's another thing we should mention. Every friggin' field goal kicker can kick a 55 yard field goal. Now, like, like scoring opportunities are one, either more because they're making the field goal or teams are more willing to try it from that distance. And so teams take over at a much more advantageous mm-hmm. field position yep. as well. So like there is a there's a correlation between that as well. Not only are they making these gigantic long field goals more often, but when they do miss, the other team takes over at a much better field position than when they used to do these pooch punts or even punt it in the end zone. And, and you're starting at the 20 as opposed to starting at the 40 or 45 or whatever it might be and so uh yeah for me i'm really gonna look at these aggressive teams aggressive play callers down the field play callers these guys with burners that are that they're willing to take advantage of and do all of that because i'm with you i think it's going to favor i think the difference between the haves and the have-nots and i know coming into this year you you loved you liked to look for dogs. I know you like oh, yeah. I know you like to be I know you like to be a dog handicapper, but I think this season I am almost looking for like what what favorite what big favorite actually do I feel co- we, hey, we laid yeah, it last week Ravens. with the we laid it last week with the Ravens in that one. It's like which of these big favorites do I actually feel comfortable laying with? And I'm almost starting my handicapping like that now, which is crazy. But yeah, with all these advantageous rules, with the changes in in the flags, with the changes in how they're officiating and how the game is played, you look at these spreads and like I sit there and say to you, hey, Brett, the Chiefs are 13 point favorites against the Raiders. And you go, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's about right. Raiders secondary is absolute trash and the Chiefs are going to throw the ball wherever they want to. Now, will, will you play the 13? That's to be that, you know, whatever. We'll talk about that on Friday. But you kind of look at it and you go, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's about so right. The perfect example of, of uh, the aggressiveness came last week with coaching with the Miami, the Miami game that I loved. I loved Miami last week. I right. thought they could keep pace with Seattle at home. And they did as a six point underdog for three quarters. But they buried themselves early in the game because of an unwillingness to be aggressive against one of the premier offenses in the NFL. They kicked rather than going forward on Mm -hmm. fourth and short against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. That's not how you win games in 2020. I'm just looking at these drives here for the Dolphins. Fourth and three at the Seattle 11, kick. Fourth and four, the Seattle 27, field goal. Fourth and five, Seattle 25, field goal. Sanders made every kick, which is fine. Like, right. But that's not the point. Like that's never a certainty that he's going to make those. And you're just leaving so many points on the field when you're doing that and not going for it against a elite offense on the other side. And there's still several coaches who are stuck in this mindset of getting points and not making decisions that give them the best chance to win. So like, I, again, you just have to check boxes for these coaches. Like, are they willing to, do these things that they should be doing. And Brian Flores is apparently not one of those guys that was super aggravating last week. They were, they were just deep in his Seattle territory so many times and just opt to kick. I just, it's, uh, it's so frustrating as a better for these dogs, like as an underdog better, that's killing me, man. 
<laughs> and and the other thing I, I think as well, and this is just a, a footnote here, and we'll we'll talk about the game whenever we break down the games on Friday. But we we noticed this very early, and like we've we haven't been great so far this year. But hey, we'll give ourselves credit where we can get it. We kind of identified that Joe Burrow and this Bengals team was going to be froggy, and that they were going to be guys to keep a look at here. And Burrow. 88.5 pro football focus grade over the last two weeks. That is the fourth best in the NFL over that span on a bad, bad team. Burrow, one of the top passers in the intermediate range. So generating a 92.9 passing grade on throws of up to 19 yards downfield. And that is only behind Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. And, and so pro football focus says like, hey, look, we're only four weeks into his NFL career, so like we're not going to speak in hyperbole here, but he is already producing at a top 10 quarterback level for this Cincinnati team. And so just something for us to keep an eye on as this season starts to progress, where if they can get any kind of help for him on the offensive line, if they start to gel a little bit, if the defense starts to play, which actually has not been terrible, their defense, to be honest with you. It's been, you know, it's 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 not good, but it's not terrible either right it's kind of middle of the pack it's 15th Mm -hmm. overall actually according to pro football focus um this might be a second half bet on team brett so like something for us to keep an eye on here with with really good quarterback play and middling defensive play uh, you can draw some bets from from this coach who's willing to let him go fling it zach taylor is sharp like he does all the right things on Mm -hmm. offense so yeah i'm with you uh, as we move into Thursday night football here, one quick little note here. DraftKings took a $3 million <laughs> parlay bet, uh, would win the guy $5.4 million should it all hit. He took the Packers to win the NFC North. He took Georgia to win the SEC East. He took Alabama to win the SEC West. And if all that happens, Brett, he turns his uh, $3 million into $8.4 million. Yeah. Uh I don't even know where to start with this. Like, <laughs> for, like why, why is DraftKings taking this bet? Well, I know why. I know why well, they're I mean, taking this bet. I mean, there's, there's actually a really good Twitter thread going around right now about why DraftKings is willing to take this kind of parlay. But it's like we're, we see tweets all the time about, you know, betters being limit, limited with, with what they can bet on. And then they just. They take a three million dollar bet. I just, yeah. just uh, lacking consistency, and I don't love that these bets are being made public either. Um, it's I understand why the books are doing that as well, but uh, without knowing who made the bet, it feels a little gross promoting this. Well, it adds fuel to the fire, like you're talking about for the people who say, "Well, then how come I can only get two hundred dollars yeah. down?" on a prop and you're taking a $3 million parlay. So it does add a little bit of fuel to the fire to all that. But listen, let's pull the curtain back here. That's why people are listening to this podcast. This guy, I can guarantee you is not a sharp better. Like they are not going to take a $3 million parlay from a dude who's sharp. This is either a big casino player for them or a dude who just has a bunch of money and they're willing to, placate him with with whatever it takes or something like that because if a guy that was a known winner came to them and said i want to get down three million on a parlay they'd say like eh, we'll take 200 grand like they might take a couple hundred grand from the guy or something but they're not, they ain't taking three million brett uh to our listeners out there don't don't do what this guy is doing don't also don't, don't do that parlay yes. division winners like this you will never win long term ever no <laughs> listen one he has one lock on there and that's Alabama to win the SEC West. But like past that, there's not a lock on that. And that's what's scary to me about, and I, 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 we'll, we'll just, we'll move on here in just a second, but I'll tell you what's scary to me about this bet, right? So Alabama, their second team is better than most people's starters. So like you can bet on Alabama and feel confident. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt for the Packers, that team is now then no longer the favorite to win the NFC right. North. Right. Like you can you can sustain an injury on a college level where guys are only there for two and three years at a time at a starter level position. And if you're Alabama, you just recruit five star after five star after five star after five star. So you look at that and you say, like, okay, Alabama to win this SEC West. Sure. 
Georgia is the same deal, but the only scary thing about Georgia is they still have to play Florida. And like Florida is actually a really good team. And the odds of them to win this SEC East bet was only minus 110. So like he took a pretty short bet actually with, with that one as well. But from a pro standpoint, we just know this. We see this. We just talked about this time and time again here. The drop off from an Aaron Rodgers to anybody, much less a backup, is so incredibly massive in a division that could definitely be competitive if they if they lose Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So I just like to me, I, I like the college part of it. I'm kind of like, OK, you know, they are just that much better than everybody else. I get. But like from a pro standpoint, it's like wh- that's one injury away from losing three million dollars. The other thing I wonder about this, okay, if you're if you're betting three million dollars in a parlay like this, we talk about responsible gambling and bankroll management on the show too. How big a bankroll do you need? How rich do you need to be to like responsibly make a three million dollar parlay bet? How much money does yeah, this person this guy, have? Yeah, I mean, this guy has to be worth several hundred million dollars, and he might very well might be. You know, I mean, like I we we yeah, but I mean, he has to be worth several hundred million dollars, and so that's what we're gonna yeah, hope. Would DraftKings well. take a bet from somebody who they know doesn't have that much money? Is I'm I'm hoping the answer is no, um, but yeah, it's just yeah, I, I don't I have, I have mixed feelings about all of this. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy. Well, I bet I mean, look, you know, I guess the one thing is is this is easily followable, uh-huh. so we'll we'll definitely yeah. let you know whether this guy wins 3 million or loses 3 million cuz uh all it is is three three teams and they they got to win their divisions. Uh Thursday night football, the Bucks at the Bears. This is going to be an interesting handicap or should I say a game that I'm going to pass on uh th- than anything else here. Let's talk about the Bucks and as good as they have looked and as great as that defense has looked, Brett no Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin, no Scotty Miller, no Justin Watson, all at practice on Tuesday. Uh, Leonard Fournette, already a game-time decision has been ruled, and they lost O.J. Howard to IR. So it is just as good as the defense has been and should be able to keep them not only competitive in this game, maybe carry them to a win against a Bears team that we found out last week. It doesn't matter who plays quarterback. They can't do anything. Um that being said, it's going to be an interesting couple of days when it comes to practice reports and injury reports as to what's going on because that is literally their starting four wide receivers yeah, right sitting, there in in Evans, Godwin, Miller, yeah. and Watson. So, like, you would be literally at that point calling people off of off of the taxi I've been squad. Sitting here refreshing the Tampa Bay practice report all day because really, I like Tuesday is Tuesday, Wednesday's the big one. Like, I need yeah. to know who is practicing at least at limited capacity Wednesday. Um, because right. like you said, this whole offense is decimated. Every skill, pl- every skill position player is, is dead. <laughs> like what? Even, like yeah. even Gronk limited practice. Shady McCoy didn't practice. Who like, who's playing offense for this team? Justin Watson didn't practice. I like, I, uh, well, there it goes. So now it's starting to trickle in. Uh, Leonard Fournette now doubtful okay. for week five. Chris Godwin already ruled out. So now it's starting to trickle in. So now of those people we mentioned, you're definitely out for net. You're definitely out Godwin. So that leaves the the news to come in on Evans, Miller, and Watson. If you watched the Bucks game last weekend, which I did very mm-hmm. intently because I had an incredible amount of money on that game, um, Mike Evans was going in and out of the game because he couldn't stay on the field nursing his injury as well. So, uh, Brett, this is going to be something where I think our best advice can be, hey, monitor this injury report as it comes out throughout the course of today and then go in and decide if you think that this Bucks team has enough firepower to get it done against a Bears team that look at the end of the day is still putting out at least a somewhat decent uh, defense. It's not the Bears defense of, of, of old, but it's still a top five ranked overall defense according to pro football focus. They've been really good from a pass rush and tackling standpoint, not so great in coverage, but when you're getting good, when you're getting good pass rush and you're not missing tackles and uh, the rush defense is up there as well. So let's just assume, let me just play hypotheticals with you. Let's say uh, Watson and Miller can't go. It's Mike Evans and Gronk, uh, you know, and, and that's what we're kind of looking at here against this team. Uh, we know that the running back, which he was on the practice squad anyway, Kenjin Barner actually got suspended for 
for whatever LaShawn uh, McCoy is actually injured as well from out of that backfield. So it's a pretty beat up Bucks team on a short yeah, week. And uh, this line moved the other way on the look ahead. This, this is the look ahead. And this was three, I think. And now it's four. I understand Chicago looked terrible last week. But this feels like it should be a, a good spot for Chicago, right? Like, I, I know it, there's a lot of uncertainty as we sit here right now, but man, they looked pitiful on Sunday. And now against a, a Tampa Bay team that is uh, without their entire offense, I feel like this has to be a Chicago spot. What are we doing with Foles? Are we just taking the L on Nick Foles? Or is, is Indy yeah. really that good a defense? I look. I think that it's a little bit of both, but I'm going to go ahead and with it and see, this is the beauty of the uh, lines.com odd feed, by the way, the lines.com slash odds. Uh, I just got a flash. This thing has moved to three and a half. So oh, wow. bears money coming in bears money coming in as we speak here on, as we record this. So no longer a four on the bears is now a three and a half on the Bears, so uh people thinking i think along the same way i actually probably just got this intro report that you and i are talking about right now and and the money is changing things um brett when we take a look here it's gonna be hard for me it would be a i can't believe i'm gonna say this because i actually think that the bucks defense is probably maybe the best one in the league maybe if not sec if it may be second to the steelers defense but with all of that it is going to be tough for me to uh, there it is. So Schefter now, no Godwin, no McCoy, no uh, no Justin oh Watson, God. and doubt, doubtful, yeah, and doubtful Fournette. So there so we whatever have we it, say right? right now on the podcast because this won't go out for a couple hours. It's probably going to be meaningless. Like you're yeah. not going to be able to get the four anymore by the time you hear this, unfortunately. But I man, this I kind of love the Bears, and that's horrifying after what happened on Sunday. It is horrifying. And the other thing I think that I hate from this and, and as Brett just mentioned, that it's a bummer that whenever you hear this, cause like at four Brett as a teaser leg, you take the bears to 10 at home. Like you're going, you're going through yeah. that seven and on to another, you know, pretty key number at 10 uh, would have been very interesting as well. Um, we'll have a, breakdown of this i'll do my best to walk you guys through this from in a videos form once i get the full report that'll be up on the site so be sure and check back tomorrow for that but uh line is on the move total on the move as well down to 44 thinking that this might be just a defensive struggle of a game with everything that's going on and uh as we sit right now i gotta kind of agree that that's probably where i would be leaning as well Yeah, we haven't seen many of those games but this this has to be one of those games, right? I mean, this is the, this is, this yeah. fits the, the low scoring contest that we've seen over the past several years. This isn't one of those spots that we just it talked does. about where you've got two or you got like a, an explosive offense that is just going to pile on points. I, I don't see that from either of these teams. As I just mentioned, guys, be sure and check out the lines. A lot of new tools over there, a lot of new toys over there. Uh, as I mentioned, the odds feed. So just go in the lines.com slash odds. You're going to be able to check out all the different comparisons of DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, BetMGM, PlaySugarHouse if you're in Jersey. And of course, you can just click on whatever state you're in and you will get state specific uh, lines and books that you can also take advantage of our offers that we have over there. Again, you're not going to find better offers on the internet. Free money, free bets, risk-free bets, deposit matches, uh, bet matches, all kinds of different things like that. So depending on the book, they have a, a, an offer for you. So be sure and take advantage of that. And while it's, while this is, while this line is probably going to consolidate somewhere closer mm -hmm. to three, um, it, typically you'll find some discrepancies in lines and things like that. And so you want to have multiple accounts so you can be sure and take advantage of those things. Brett, we're looks like we have some work to do over the next couple of days. Uh, some very big spreads out there. So lots of injury news, lots of uh, quarterback changes, coaching decisions, coaching changes, all that. So uh, Friday's podcast with Brad will certainly be interested is interesting. And I'm actually very much looking forward yeah, to it. And some big adjustments. Like I said, like these, this, this is the week where I really like start started to, to, to realize that I've been going mm -hmm. about this the wrong way. And there are some things that I need to change in week five. So yeah, Friday will be fun. You know, you know what? And that is the mark of a good sports better. Because to. if you sit there, if you sit there and you're stubborn in the way that you go about things, then you're never going to get any better And doing self-evaluation and going in and, and guys, if you're listening to this and you do this for more and you want to do this for more than fun, I cannot 
stress enough that go in, look at your losing bets, look at your winning bets and figure out why did I win this bet? Why did I lose this bet? What was what was wrong with the way that I went about betting and how did I look at this game differently from the way that it played out? And sometimes you will find some pretty eye opening stuff. Uh, Me, I was blinded by the uh, Kyler Murray flash plays those first couple of weeks and I thought this Cardinals team was much much better than it was and you go in and you look at the underlying stats and you look at at where they were and they're actually very inefficient on offense and it's just like even though I've been doing this for 20 years like your your brain still you watch Kyler Murray do Kyler Murray things and you just get wrapped up in it and you get caught up in like the the nor- the enamor of like holy I cannot believe this guy can do this and um you know now we've seen the last two weeks this Cardinals team come back down to earth and they're more what we th- what they probably should be as opposed to what we saw in the first couple of weeks and so you know we're learning as well and uh we're going to help any we're going to help try to convey anything that we pick up and learn along the way as well so that we can all try to make some money here. There's a lot of NFL season left. We are at the quarter pole, Brett, but shit, we got, we, you know, we've got 12 weeks left. So, I mean, well, I mean, maybe more depending on how many more bye weeks they've got to add with all the COVID. So, I mean, hell, we might have 18 more weeks left, but uh, you know, we got a lot of weeks left still to make some money. Yeah. At this point with all the COVID stuff going on, I hope we get at least like four more weeks. (laughs) I'm just, I'm so nervous about what's going on with this Titans team right now. I just hope it doesn't all unravel. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. You, you and me both. You and me both, my friend. Uh, guys, at the Lines US, at PlayPix US, at Brett Colson, at Matt Brown M2. If you want to follow us, and of course, on the podcast, wherever you're listening to this right now, if you'll just go in, just go ahead and at least give us a little, a little, a little, a little uh, thumbs up on that, a little five star review. We really do appreciate that. So appreciate that. Uh, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys on Friday. 